mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 46. I'm Tracy Profit. I'm Reether Kiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. You almost you almost stalled there, JJ. <laughs> I, I, I lost I lost where we were. Yeah. Already. All right. Well, um, we are excited this morning to talk about a few things. We're going to share a couple of comments and reflections that we have received from listeners. And Ruth's going to tell us how she's been using Doodle Notes and what that's all about, and how she's also been editing Doodle Notes, right? Yes. And um, then we're gonna she's going to talk about her statistics and graphing unit that she's sort of in the middle of some. Excited, very exciting things happening. Um, to, we don't usually like repeat things that she says on the run or we say on the run, but I was like, this is so good. You have to say this again tomorrow. So, yeah. Um, I know ahead. I always think exciting when it comes to statistics and graphing. Yeah, <laughs> you should for sure. <laughs> um, if you heard what she's doing, you'd be excited too. Well, I will be excited okay. when that comes up. Good. The first is that we got a direct message from Tessa Kaplan on twitter and she was reflecting on the integer project that we talked about the um a couple episodes ago where it's a timeline of your life and the zero on the timeline is your birth and so then you're listing episodes that i mean not episodes you're listing (laughs) events that are before your birth and then after your birth um on the timeline and her reflection was that for students that have some sort of trauma in their life that this could be a a difficult assignment, Um, having to think about or try to list or come up with events that happened in your life before your birth or even after your birth could, you know, think about this is when I got separated from my family or this is when this person died or this is when this, you know, violent, scary thing happened in my life. And so um, she was just, you know, trying to, kind of open our eyes to the idea that this could not, this might not be the right assignment for everybody in your classroom. So we, it was like confirmation of the reflection that we had had on the run, because when originally we talked about it, it was like, let's just pick personal things. Mm-hmm. And it was you who said, or let's pick world events. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of took that a step further. And the idea at our school is that homework is really limited, almost none. Mm-hmm. And so this project was not something that I assigned and you did at home. This project was something that I did in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wrote some events that happened within those 24 years on the board. And you could pick from those events. The whole math was you had to know how many years before you were born and how many years since you were born and mm-hmm. what that integer would be. And so I gave them a safe place to go. And your timeline could be completely world events yeah um and it wasn't something you had to necessarily take home and have these conversations with your parents not that that is a bad thing but it just was a safe place to maybe not have to think about the trauma because you could look up there and see that three years after your birth is when this president was elected and Mm -hmm. so you just write that on your timeline. And then you had to have two pictures. And they didn't have to be pictures that you printed. They were just pictures. Here's the three by five card. You can draw a picture of a lot of them put 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, so they drew a picture of the Twin Towers or something that it was just an, an illustration or a picture. Um, and there were kids who were able to have really happy things all 12 years before they were born, Mm -hmm. the marriage of their parents, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think it's just really important that you think about, in the words of an administrator, the unintended consequences of everything you do in your classroom. Because a teacher would never choose an assignment knowing that that was going to be a huge struggle for someone. But it could be. It could be. And you have to really think about what you could do to prevent that from being a struggle. But yet, it's a really good activity because it gives them integers in in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I just appreciate Tessa recent reaching out, you know, to share some feedback that 
was hard, you know, hard to think about, but I think it's valuable. And I think, I think you're right. You have to think, try to think through what the unintended consequences are. That's a good way to say it. So thanks for that feedback. Um, we also have recently got on the on the blog, you can leave comments, and we have gotten to um, recently. Um, Lenny Vermas is a frequent commenter, and we appreciate his feedback. But he shared a, um, a good two good things, uh, which are Ken Ken's, which are great puzzles, sort of like math Sudoku, you know. And um, also a list where I took a look at it. He's put together lots and lots of resources about picture books in um, in the math classroom. There, is, there were just tons of resources on his page. So go check that out. Um, we'll put a link to his picture book resource page on our site. Um, and then the other one was Teresa Peterson. And she is a high school teacher and says that she, uh, she teaches algebra too. And she listens to our podcast, which I think is fun because we get to thinking that our listeners are all elementary school teachers, right? Uh, or, or middle school. Um, but she shared that she's used children's books in her class. So she's used two of everything to talk about exponential growth. And she said she also likes the book called The Dot and Rosie Revere Engineer. Mm. Um, so I, I just think it's cool that she's using that in her class too. And this was a good um, sentence out of her comment. I also do a lot of the same routines in my classroom, like talking about what we shared, number talks, which one doesn't belong, modeling with manipulatives. And it's so cool to know that deep mathematical discussions are happening across the country for such a wide variety of ages. I think that's a really cool thing about comments and just this podcast is that you really do get confirmation that you are not in the trenches by yourself. Yeah. Because some days you feel like, oh, yeah. Surely someone has said something like this to you before somewhere. <laughs> and, and then you realize, no, not at all. Yeah, I had that. I had that feeling a lot this week. Yeah. yeah. Or could you just please remember that I have said this. So when you get to that Algebra 2 class and she asks you, there's some confirmation of, yeah, I think I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So reach out, comment on Twitter or um, Facebook or the pot or the show notes all that so thanks jj anything to add over there nope he has the important job of emailing us the comments when they come through so thanks (laughs) all right ruth tell us about doodle notes and what you understand to be the purpose of this thing you got going on here and then i'll probably ask you a lot of questions because i still got some so There's like a little research page in front of this lady on Teacher Pay Teachers about how your brain works really well when you're coloring or doodling while you're listening or while you're filling in notes. Okay. And it's not even about that for me as much as it is something already finished that's solid that the students can attempt to fill in by themselves. Because I've taught the material, we've discovered it, and now it's time to just solidify it. Let's put down what we know. Um, and you can color it. You can pull out your colored pencils. You can do it however you want. Okay. So the first time I did it was with integers. And I really wanted – I was drawn to this particular teacher's um, notes, which I can't post because – you I can it. give you the link yeah. on Teachers Pay Teachers and you can see it. Yeah. Um, but she just covered everything. It was integers. It was absolute value. It was adding and subtracting. And then that got me to the point where I made my own multiply and divide. Um, she didn't. That wasn't included. It wasn't included. And I didn't see one that she had. Okay. And I am really frugal. So I know it's like just $3 or just $1.50. Yeah. But... She kind of just gave me the motivation to keep going. Um, I do wish that they were editable. Yeah. Editable. I don't yeah. know how to say that word, but they come to you, you as PDFs. And sometimes there's just like maybe the data. Oh, the statistics one is what I'm talking about is she provides the data for me. And I would like to put our personal data in there and make it a little more mm-hmm. personalized. Mm-hmm. So um, this integer one, and I've lots and lots of positive things, but when I got to the subtracting integers, she kind of got away from her, this is how you add with a model, and this is how you add with a number line. Okay. And then it was just, this is how you subtract, keep change, change, or yeah, keep change, change. 
And there was so much about subtracting integers because this was the first time that my students were being exposed to it that I wanted to do before we keep change change. Yeah. And in reality, my students still don't know keep change change yeah. or change the sign. I didn't say those words to them. I put lots of um, opportunities in front of them for them to discover it. Mm-hmm. But I just refused to teach them the rule. Yeah. And the test that I gave them was um, where you circle. So as we progress through subtraction, I should say that I started with subtracting with the disc with the red and yellow tiles. Okay. Um, it's really hard to talk about how you do it on a podcast. I think we've already talked about yeah, how have. you use them with subtraction. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also have a video that I sent the kids home to watch. We subtracted on a number line, which I feel like is so important because it forces the kid to say that it's the opposite direction. So if you're going to minus a negative, you're turning towards the left to minus, but then negative means turn and go the opposite direction. So we did number lines and then I don't even remember where I saw it or if I, if it, but somebody had me circle the integer and everything in front of it. And so the problem in front of me says seven minus negative five. Okay. So I circle the seven and then I say to myself, is what I circled, what kind of integer is it? Is it positive or negative? Okay. Is it I have or I owe? And then minus negative five, what kind of integer is that? And so it's a positive integer because I took away the negative or because two negatives make a positive or whatever, because you turn it into a happy face. There's all kinds of different ways at this point that students. I don't like that one. <laughs> but if you look where you have the parentheses and the two minus signs, it looks uh-huh. like two eyes and a nose. Uh-huh. And that's easy to identify in a problem. It was actually my son oh. who, when he was in algebra, was like, I just look for happy faces, mom. So I have to share that because Trace is the one who taught me that. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so I have seven and I have five. And so I have 12. And there's not really, and that's how I tested it. Mm -hmm. Tell me what these two integers mean because the subtraction problems are there. Does it mean I owe or does it mean I have? And then when you say I owe three and I have five, oh, we have two left. It just kind of becomes something that makes sense rather than yeah, change these to addition, change the sign to the opposite. There's so many things. If you if you go the other route, there's so many things to remember that then they misapply later to multiplication or anything. Oh, for sure. And when I like, hi, welcome to sixth grade. We're not going to review any previous skills, but I'm going to start right off the bat with adding integers and subtracting integers and here's multiply and here's divide. And so I really wanted to make sure they had a lot of models, Mm -hmm. even in the assessment. That's what it was, was just a lot of models. Um, So this particular page in Keep Change Change, I created um, a number line and I created how to use the tiles and how to take a picture. And so my subtraction page says, start with zeros, put some zeros on your paper mm-hmm. and then put on your first number with your tiles and then take away what you have. And you might have to take some from the zeros. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that because you took away some negative, there was some positive there? Those are the kinds of things that I added to these doodle notes. Um, but I just, well, like I said in the beginning, I have some kids who really fill in the bubble letters with their pen the whole time I'm talking. Okay. They're doodling. And so I really do feel like it gives them something. And then there's kids who get one blank filled in and the kid beside him is like, what do I do when I'm done? I filled in all the blanks. You color it, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) you have to use at least 10 colors, (laughs) but I got to get everybody on the same page. And this is what I have for you. Yeah. So, I have a couple things. One is that are you going to share your updated subtraction page? 
to this? Your your more model based subtraction page? Um, Are you willing to share? I I can share the bottom half of it because yeah. it's only on that one half. But yes, I can. Okay, I can share that. Um, and I probably could take a picture of my. I don't want to. I just don't want to share somebody else's. Share yeah. someone else's work. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I can take a picture of what my pages look like. They're mm-hmm. colored in mm-hmm. and maybe we can write the word sample on it like they do so that you <laughs> yeah. can see it. Yeah. Um, or cover up the top part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just, I'm just curious to see what, you know, what your attempt at putting the models for subtraction it looks like. I think it's good. I mean, I think it goes back to what we heard in last week's episode, right? For, was that just last week? When we talked to um, Bethany Lockhart about being a critical consumer. Wasn't that, was that just last mm-hmm. week? Y'all, thanks. Okay. Like, you you know, you found something that had a lot of good things, a lot of good qualities, and then editing it. Like, figure, even if that means putting down a piece of paper on the copier and then going back and handwriting the part that you had to fix. Is that how you did it? I am raising my hand yeah. because that was me. Yeah. And then I'm looking at her cute little bubble letters like, I wonder if I can reproduce anything that looks like that. I cannot. Yeah. So what I did was I went to her adding page where it says adding with a model and uh-huh. she's got it real cute and I cut it out uh-huh. and then I only had to write the word subtracting and so I covered up the adding and then I glued that. Love it. And it. so then four hours later, I'm like, oh, my word, I could have bought this for three. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's where I went with my next unit was um, statistics. Mm-hmm. And I found box and whisker doodle notes. And there were three sets. It was um, learn about a box and whisker plot, create a box and whisker plot mm-hmm. or build it. And then analyze it. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that process that we went through. And so when I did my box and whisker unit. Oh, are you jumping in? Can I, are, to, are you starting on statistics? I think so. Can I say like a couple more things? Yeah. Um, one is that I was just looking at the beginning of it. She calls them sketch notes. Like, I think at the very beginning, just oh. so if something else you might want to search, if this is something that interests you, she calls them sketch notes. Um but I think it's, you know, I've heard them used interchangeably, doodle notes and sketch notes. Um, we had a student last year who loved to draw almost to a fault. It was to a fault in some in some instances and would, you know, just completely check out and, and do his drawing at the table for in any instance. It didn't matter what it was. Um, and we were like, we've got to figure out something because he's drawing things that don't have to do with it. It's not like he's, you know listening you know and so we we did my partner and i did a little research on could we figure out how to like teach him to to make it about the thing you know to make it a productive process i will say we weren't successful with it but i don't think either one of us really knew enough about it either to to i don't know we didn't give it a full try i'm gonna say but i will i will say that like there's sort of a from what little research I did, there's kind of a continuum where some people are calling this idea sketch notes or doodle notes, where you take notes from a presentation or from a lecture or whatever on a blank white piece of paper and you add images and cool fonts that you're doing yourself. So that's like the one end of it, I think. Are, are you? Do you know anything about this? I've seen that. Yeah. Um, all the way to like... I guess this is, they kind of feel like that, look like that, and allow you to, you know, give you some opportunities where you can color or add designs or whatever, but but the teacher's giving a lot of information there. So, um, I don't know, it's just something to look up and research some more. I, I will say I'm not one of those people that loves foldables or like taking notes in class or any of that kind of stuff um, as the teacher or as the student. Like, it just doesn't just don't do it for me but there are teachers that that is one of their go-tos you know and i i like how this is not so much sit and copy what we're what i'm writing but you're done see if you can kind of put it together in one place Mm -hmm. that's a better step than just copy and for me i feel like this was a good bridge between we're doing all this discovery learning in class and I absolutely promise your kid is prepared for the test, mm-hmm. but you have a test tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 
well, where do I go? What do I look at? Whatever you're teaching. And so this is just something in the parent's hands to say, this is what Mrs. E wants you to know. Yeah, that's good. Um, So it's important for the, for, again, it's not every child, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, every child has to do it because that is a little bit easier than finding something that meets every kid's need or knowing what their needs are at this point. And that's what sixth grade we've said for as long as I've taught it is about is figuring out what your learning style is and how you learn best and what kind of notebooks you should carry and that kind of stuff. So. All right. So tell me about your boxing. Go back to box and whisker. Okay. So I actually started with the box and whisker doodle notes and was like, I can do this. I wonder if, and I, I don't even remember where I found it, but it was just like, I have to do something other than today. We're going to learn about a box and whisker plot. This is the median. These are the maximums and the minimums. And so we started in the two, I did the Tuva lab activity all about us, Mm -hmm. which every year I'm like, this is just so good Yeah, because kids analyze data and don't even know they're doing it. And they do really cool stuff. Yeah. So box and whiskers, one of those things. And I just put it up on the board. Just a picture of it was like, what do you notice? What do you wonder? And the discussion was really cool. They noticed that it counted by tens, but there were hash marks in between each one. Okay. They noticed that it started at 60 and it stopped at 100. They noticed that the number line had arrows on the end of it, but the box and whisker plot had dots. Ooh, that's good. Um, They noticed there were two boxes and there were two whiskers which is beautiful for there's four quartiles, you know, like we were able to take all of that stuff and a lot of it, like, I wonder why, um, what did they say? Oh, I wonder, I wonder why that line goes down the middle of the box, but it's not really in the middle. Hmm. That's cool. Yeah. They said, well, I'm going to let you keep wondering and we're going to go to the library and we're going to look at some of our data with numbers we know, and we're going to turn them into these. Um, And I did say this is called a box and whisker plot. I gave them some of that vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we went and did Tuva Lab. So the next day they came to class and they had exactly three minutes to build their very best paper airplane. Cool. Which I was really sad that a lot of kids were like, I've never made a paper airplane. How do you do that? What? (laughs) What in the world? It's like you find a friend who's made one and you do it really (laughs) quick. (laughs) How um, make a paper airplane? Yeah. So they take their airplanes in the hallway. I think my favorite was the kid who just balled up the piece of paper. Ah! That's pretty smart, <laughs> yeah. actually. And he's like, I think this will go pretty far. Okay. So we just threw You made them. a paper asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> and they named, they had to put their names on them. Uh-huh. So I got things like the U.S. Tracy and... Yeah. It was just fun. So I lined meter sticks up. Just because of that whole rounding conversation that yeah. I had had with you, it was like this is really important because they can learn to count on a meter stick. Yeah, um, and you flew your planes, and so now you just have the hallway full of planes, and we just counted how many planes there were. So where would the middle be? And we got things like, well, there's 18 people in this class, and so the middle has to be between the eighth and ninth plane. So we walked over and we put a piece of tape coming out of the meter sticks to the eighth and ninth plane. Then we Wait, have. Is that right? Yeah, because, because you have eight planes on this side. Got and it. Eight planes it. on you this You said side. how many? Six. You said 18 Yes. People? Wouldn't it be nine? Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. So 18 students. So it would be between the ninth nine and the tenth. Okay. Okay, so this math that you and I are just having this conversation about was happening there, too, because yeah. they were like, well, 18 divided by 2 is 9. That means the ninth plane is the middle. Well, let's check it. And the ninth plane isn't the middle. Yeah, because um, there's 8 on the lower end. If you're looking at the the ninth plane, there's 8 other ones on the left-hand side, and then there would be 9 others on the bigger side. But that whole just like divide it by two, that's how you find median. You got to divide it by two. Yeah. So this was just a different way to approach median because we weren't looking at data. We were really finding the middle. Um, 
And then we found the middle of the planes on the other side in mm-hmm. the middle of the plane. And sometimes that middle, your median is a plane. Right. This is it, right, where this plane is. So we left the hallway with a box and whisker plot, and they were able to see that each section of the box and whisker plot had the same amount of planes. Did you, like, literally tape it down on the floor? I literally used masking tape, and we taped a box, and then I pulled masking tape to the end, and we made a giant whisker. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Okay. So, I like it. And, and you you said you took some pictures, but you're like, it doesn't really look, look like anything. Right. Right? I, I did take pictures, but you get so into teaching, and you're like, oh, shoot, I should have taken a picture of that so I yeah. can put it on Twitter. And <sighs> I haven't tweeted in forever. I don't know. It's Sometimes okay. you're just like exhausted at the end of the day. I yeah. did that six times. Yeah. I used a whole roll of tape today. <laughs> um, it was worth it. You used the blue masking tape? I wanted to, but I didn't have the painter's tape. I was going to say, because white masking tape would be hard to see on the yeah, floor. Yeah, that's why you couldn't see it. The yeah. kids could see it, right? Because mm-hmm. they're there. But for me, for them to see that there was the same amount of planes in that tiny little second quartile the first box uh-huh. as that great big whisker because some kid threw it 1300 centimeters. Yeah. It was so powerful. That's really cool. Other than just, here's the list of numbers. Cause to me, that still is, it was really hard to understand. Like this little box means a whole lot of data. Yeah. So wait, what other ways you, you really have me thinking about what other ways could you do it where it's a physical thing, you know? Um, I guess just putting the numbers on cards. Right. But that whole number line thing is so interesting. That number line thing was really important, too, when we transferred it back into class, because so some kids threw their airplane like three centimeters because mm-hmm. it just would go and turn around and come three. backwards. Oh. I was like, how did that happen? The airplane's longer than three centimeters. But they just were like throwing it as hard as they could and it just does this complete circle and That's comes awesome. back behind them. <laughs> and I was like, the rule is no negatives because we can't go there with our uh-huh. number lines. You got to try it again. Even if it's just like give yeah. it a little toss yeah. to get it past the start line. Um and the physical, the eighth grade teacher came down to watch one of the lessons and she just got really excited about, we could do so many things with this yeah. in science when it comes to um, using graphs. Physical science is where you need to use graphs. So Okay. You could do like rolling matchbox cars or something. Oh, yeah. Anything that would move in that. On a long, a, lo- a longer distance. Mm-hmm. You could well, come on, science Jay. What else? What else you got over there? A straw. Yeah, like straw rockets. Oh my goodness! Remember the straw rocket ra- rocket launchers? Yeah, Jay made straw lo- straw rocket launchers because we were too cheap to buy the ones from was yeah, that Pitsco? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. That's all right. <laughs> How Where are they? Um, they're in the stream lab, probably. Yeah, that that was sort of a. I have to say that was a DIY. C- almost fail <laughs> it was it, yeah but kids got they got there they were using them wrong on i love math i was day. about to say and i don't think it was because they were built incorrectly no, they slammed them down they would like slam them down and get to go farther and then they would they cut their hand because they were they didn't drop it oh. like they were supposed to they slammed their hand down they wanted to increase the force that they were using to propel the straw rocket and then it broke that's all i mean it would, again because they were misusing it not because of your diy fail you're a great um project make it come to life guy so thank you <laughs> all right we digressed a little bit but it was a good memory um i was thinking there's some things that you would get too much distance out of okay like um you said like little matchbox or Hot Wheels cars. That's pretty good because there's a lot of drag built into those and they don't. But sometimes like you'll use like trying to use marbles or something and everybody's uh. marble would just roll slam to the end of the hallway. Because mm. um, I was thinking like marble tracks and things that are in classrooms to mm-hmm. demonstrate, you know, um, yeah, or balls on tracks and in and, and different. I remember in physics, it was something we would do to, I don't know. Yeah. In my second period class, I had to send one of the guys back up to the science lab to get two more meters. Oh, wow. Because his was such an outlier. Yeah. Like 1,300 centimeters. Cool. 
That's a long way. Yeah, it was a long way. And there was so much rich discussion about yeah. meters and why you can't. I mean, that's great that you know that 1,300 centimeters is 1.3 meters, and that's easier for you to write. But where's that going to fit on my box and whisker plot? Where are we going to put a 1.3? Wait. Wait. What am I kidding? 13 meters. He, okay, sorry. He, the kid, that was one of his, he had converted all of them. So he had a 1.3 and he had a 13. Okay. And I looked at his paper and was like, this is great that you can do this. But you can't insert this into my box and whisker plot. You gotta follow the directions and you gotta do centimeters. Yeah. Um and so in those doodle notes, this is where I was talking about I wish I would have not had to cut and like literally paste, but she just had some made up data where the mm-hmm. student had to use it to make a box and whisker plot. And I put their airplane data in there. And then we were able to take it from the hallway concretely the day before to let's write out the numbers and create a box and whisker plot that looks kind of like what it looked like in the hallway. Did you have a different one for every class period? In the hallway yesterday I did. And then this one, it was just kind of random. I said I chose and I was really strategic. I chose 14 students data. So they had to calculate them the median just one time. Because then you have seven on both sides and you can circle to get your upper and lower quartile. Um, Oh, so a number that's divisible by four would make you have to calculate the median twice, a number of pieces of data, mm -hmm. right? Like 12, you'd have to find the middle between six and seven. And then you'd have to find the middle again between three and four because you can split it into four equal parts. But if it, if a number is not if, – if after you split it in half – You have odd numbers. You have odd numbers like seven. Oh, I like that. That would be a helpful – you know how like on the fly you're trying to make up stuff all the time? I was talking to a teacher yesterday about like making up a um, order of operations problem on the fly. And I was like, okay, watch out for this. Don't make it have negatives because of who her kids were, fourth graders. Right. And don't make it have, when you divide, make sure it divides evenly, like telling her from... from. So in other words, don't do it on the fly. Have yeah, a couple prepared I pretty ones. much said that. But I was like, if you're trying to, these are the things you need to watch out for. And that's a something I wouldn't have thought about. Um, Is choosing those... Odd numbers so that they have exposure to both kinds of medians. That's good. And I had never made that. I mean, look, I made a generalization. Boom. It's pretty early in the morning for that. (laughs) Mic drop. She just dropped a pin for those of you who can't see, which is everyone. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry I interrupted, Ruth. But your, your, your reason for picking 14 was very interesting. Keep going. So after we've done that, then we are analyzing a box and whisker plot. And this particular box and whisker plot had two plots on it and it was how much time Calvin spent in the summer outside and how much time he spent in the winter. And so we started class the day of the notes with noticing and wondering with not, you couldn't tell it was notes. I just stretched it out on the screen and you were just looking at the plot and they noticed things like he spent more time outside in the summer and they noticed that there was this random dot all the way down on 16 on the winter, which was an outlier. And they were able to pull that word out because of going to the computer lab with Tuva. And when you're relying on kids to enter data, (laughs) there's a whole lot of outliers. Like the kid who said he was born in the year 2077. It was just a little miskey that he didn't catch, right? Uh Well, when you're trying to graph, most kids born in 2007, 2008, with someone graphed in 2077, right? Yeah. Yeah. Compared to the kid who was born in 200, because he forgot the fourth <laughs> digit on his year, you know? And I know when you did it, you did a really good job cleaning it up. But for me, I just like letting them see yeah. what the mistakes can do awesome. to the data and really having those conversations. But on Tuva, you can hit something as an outlier and you can take it out, Yeah, right? you can exclude it and just Love look it. at the actual data. That's cool. So um, it was good. So Box and Whisker, we did... In our notes. And then the next day was Stem and Leaf. And this is where I had come home from the weekend. And so you and I had run the 10 miler. Um, Which is like a, the biggest race in our in our city. And everybody 
I thought everybody knew about it and when participated, we ran it. Did yeah. great. Fist bump. <laughs> right? So Saturday, <laughs> I um, get home and I send out an email that's like, hey, boys and girls, if you ran the, ran the 10 miler or if your parents ran the 10 miler, anyone you know, send me your times because we're going to use it in our statistics. One parent replied. And so I was like, oh, they just didn't want to tell me their time, whatever. I'll just ask kids. So we start class with um, 14 people that have something to do with LCA on this list of data. I just went to the race website and I made a table that was their pace and then... Not their pace. Their their pace. Oh, oh yeah. And then how many hours and how many minutes... Okay. Um, it took them to do the race. So there was an alumni who ran it in one hour and two minutes at a pace of like 614. And then there were some staff members and some teachers and some former principals and then one that one parent. And it just said LCA parent. So you're looking at a table that says it took you two hours and 23 minutes or it took you one hour and four minutes compared to a stem and leaf plot where I converted it all to minutes and it's 62 and 75 and 143. And just what do you notice? What do you wonder? And you, and so I just want people to get that you hadn't taught them what a stem and leaf plot was. They had, had never even heard of it. Probably. No, I hadn't love heard it. of it. And the numbers didn't really match. And the kids were like, do you want us to notice and wonder about that one or the other one? And I said, I think together. Yeah. And you said they don't match because one is written in hours and minutes and one is in all minutes is what you're saying. Right. But something I didn't pick up on that they picked up on. So you got to go with me here. I'll put this. If you're looking at the show notes, it'll be a little easier to understand. But I mentioned that Trey Fisher ran it in one hour and two minutes. Which on my stem leaf plot was 62 minutes. Okay. And his pace was six something. Well, the person who ran it in, like me, 104 minutes. Okay. My pace was 10 something. Because it was a 10 miler, your mile pace almost always matched the stem on the stem and leaf plot. Huh. Yeah. And that is what they noticed. So cool. then we talked about the whole multiplying by 10 and why does that work? Yeah. So many discussions that we would have never had. And one <laughs> of my favorites, well, there were lots of favorites, but because of this whole outlier thing, one of my students is like, um, I noticed that that first one should be an outlier because no one can run 10 miles in 62 minutes. (laughs) So I pull up the 10 miler page and we look at the winners. We look at the results. Yeah. 45 minutes. And then, you know, a couple sixth graders are on the cross country team and they're like, what? You know, like sharing, I can run a seven minute mile, but I can only do that one time. Yeah. We have to we have to mention that the female um, record was bro- broken this year. So she was on there, and then the ten miler site had the pictures of mm-hmm. the kids, and so then we had this conversation um, about Hussein Bolt, and somebody was like, "Well, if Hussein Bolt was here, he could have won." I was like, "Well, let's just talk about training for a little bit." And then someone else is like, yeah, just because you can run a sprint doesn't mean you can run 10 miles. Mm -hmm. And then we had conversations about how many of you know where this is or I kids were just like had never heard of it before. (laughs) They didn't know where it was. So they didn't know how bad the hill is. (laughs) (laughs) And so we were able to look at like what my scores look like, where it was like. I ran an 840 mile, and then I ran an 845 mile, and then I ran a 930 mile. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell tell. Are you gonna talk about your nephew? Yes. Next? So the other part of that race is that there is a four mile race, and I didn't ask for four mile scores because I didn't want to put them on the same data. Well, I found out that only one kid in all of sixth grade had run the four miler, and it happened to be my nephew. <laughs> of course. So of course, <laughs> I put his data up there. Um, he ran a 722 mile or pace. That's awesome. 
And his time was 29.29 for cool. four miles. Okay. So my question was, if Tanner decided he wanted to run the 10-miler, what do you think his time would have been? Yeah. And Just pause and think about how cool that question is. Like, that's a good question. I it, love it. Well, and it was awesome because it's four. And so it's not just five. You don't just double yeah, it. Yeah, it's not. It's, you can't just multiply it by two. But it, right. it lends itself well to the whole ratio table idea because you could like double and then half and then put them together. Okay, so I'll I let had, you say what they did. Yeah, Go. so I had lots of different things. I had the students who said he ran a 722 pace. I multiplied that by two. So it or by 10, excuse me. I multiplied that by 10. And I think he's going to do it in 72 minutes and 20 seconds. Okay. So okay. it didn't actually multiply it all the way right, but close, right? Um, so there were lots of different ways they got there. Like the kid who wrote 7.22, which it really isn't 7.22. Yeah. yeah. But they're estimating. Yeah, they're estimating. So then I had, um, oh, I've got this one, a picture of it because I was just so excited. She... Raises her hand. I for, Oh, 77 was her guess. Okay. And I said, so tell me about that. And she said, well, I did seven times six is 42. And I added that to 2929. And then I gave him an extra five minutes because it's 10 miles and he's going to need some time. <laughs> and I said, so go back to seven times six. And she said, well, he'd already done four. So he needed to do six more. And his pace was 722, so I just did 7 times 6. So she calculated his time for the remainder of the race if the 4 miles had been the first chunk of his race. Mm -hmm. He's already done 4. So 7 oh. times 4 is that 29.29. Okay. And then I just need to do 7 times 6 because he needs 6 more miles. Wow. So I took that 42 and I added it. And then she has this like little curvy line. And it says five minutes, and that's what she added uh -huh. on to get wow. her Part, number. I guess partly because her calculations were, you know, very basic. She Right. She knew that. And then mm -hmm. also, just because you can keep a pace for four minutes doesn't mean you can yeah. keep a pace for ten or for Gosh. four miles. I mean, you keep for ten miles. Yeah. What cool thinking. Right? Okay. So she obviously, and I know this girl, and she comes from a athletic family, so she understands that you got to add that little extra time or whatever. Yeah. Well, then I have another student who looks at Tanner's pace because the website tells you what you were at each mile on mm -hmm. the four mile. And he got faster with every single mile. He dropped like two seconds okay. each time. So her paper is him dropping two seconds for every single mile because <laughs> she is just looking uh -huh. at this math pattern and seeing that that is what's going to happen. It doesn't matter to her that that probably does not happen. She clearly hasn't seen you know? the course because <laughs> the last mile and a half right. you want to die. <laughs> so she just does it. She writes miles one through ten and she writes what he's going to do each mile. And each mile is two seconds faster. And she adds it all up at the end. Does she add it up correctly? With all, I'm, I'm curious about the kids adding up the seconds. Um, they just added it up like two digit numbers and carried it. Like it was a hundred seconds in yeah. a minute. So no, yeah. but it's an estimate yeah. and it's close enough to not use that as a correction from time yeah, to That wasn't them. the point yeah. at, the, at this point. All right, cool. Um, oh, and then one more. I go over to her paper and she has this, just a circle drawn, like a track. And she writes four miles, 29, 29. And then she draws another circle and writes four miles, 29, 29. And then she just draws this half circle. And she writes 15. And she's like, I didn't want to divide 29, 29 in half. So I just divided 30 in half. <laughs> I love it. And added it up. And we were able to. And then you had to take his time of 75 or 72. And you had to put it on the stem leaf plot. Where do you think it would go? Cool. And one person all day knew or understood that they would just be another leaf. Because huh. there was already a 75-minute time. Everybody gave it a new stem and a new leaf, which was perfect intro for me to say, how does this look different? Which one of these looks more organized? And and here's the convention. 
You know, like that now now's when you need to understand what the conventions are. Right. That's cool. I'm wondering what Tanner thought his time would be. Do you know? Um, He just knew that he would definitely come in before me because that was the ah, Well, the that's question. really what's important, right? <laughs> right. Like, would he beat Missy? Who was at 104 minutes? Yeah. I'm going to say that, yes. But his dad had already said to me, there's no way he could have finished 10 because he was he's a kid and they just take off sprinting. And he was say he's able probably to... pushing so hard at four. Then yeah. To, to, if you're dropping two seconds. Every mile That's in that race, that means say. you're pushing and pushing and pushing, and you are sprinting, and when you can keep that up. the first mile is downhill, yeah. a mile and a half, and mm-hmm. then uh, uphill. The next mile is uphill. Yeah. yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. That's cool yeah. that he sped up. Negative splits. That's what that's called. <laughs> so the next day, they came in, and the only thing on the board was the stem and leaf plot from the previous day. Okay. And the question was, make a list of data. It's like today we're going to extrapolate data from a stem and leaf plot. And when your parents say, what did you do in school today? I'd like for you to say that word. Nice. (laughs) So If you can. (laughs) Exactly. Um, It was really interesting to me how because they had prior knowledge of those numbers, like they remembered that Mrs. E had run it in 104 minutes. Uh So they were able to pull that 104 out. A lot of them skipped the 106. But then we were able to go back and count the leaves and count their piece of data. And the whole like, no, that can't just be a six because someone didn't run that race in six minutes. Yeah. There was just so much meaning. And then what's the mode of the data? A lot of times in a stem and leaf plot, they just pick the leaf that shows up the most and say it's the mode, which in this case was, I think, three. Oh, right? without the stem. Without the stem. Okay. But when it says... What's the mode? What's the most occurring time in this race? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's 143 minutes. And then because there was this race photographer who knew that I was doing this lesson. Jay Prophet. <laughs> I was able to show them the mode because the three teachers that you took crossing the finish line together were LCA teachers and they were all yeah. on my stem and leaf plot. Did you know that? I, uh, not when I took it, but yeah. I did recognize because one of them has been on the podcast before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The kindergarten teacher. Two yeah. of them in that picture, right? Yeah, oh, two there was of two them. Of them. Mm-hmm. I recognized her in the pictures later when I was looking at yeah. Um And there's the mode. Like, how did they get the same exact time? It's like they ran together. Yeah. And I don't have the same time as my running partner because <laughs> she was all the way up here. <laughs> I or the same you. time as the person you crossed the line with. Right. <laughs> because I didn't even go into all that. My husband <laughs> ran the four and wasn't as tired as he thought he was going to be. So he turned around to finish with me and he kind of waited and then he crossed the finish line like, woohoo, we've ran together. Yeah. But if you look closely, his bib... Is a different color than mine. <laughs> so his didn't count when he right. crossed the second time. And but then they the, were like, Missy, e, show us your finish line picture. Oh my word. Yeah, we didn't look at my finish line pictures. <laughs> it was so hot and I was so miserable. And the photographer moved. So I was ready to smile at this one spot and there was no photographer. <laughs> I still don't know where he was, but he obviously found me. <laughs> so that's awesome. I love I just love how you took something that you were interested in, you know, forget the fact that most of your kids don't know about it, but you being interested in having an investment in it surely increased their engagement. And then there, you know, then you found a way to make it related to them by looking up LCA people that they might know or feel connected to even. I I just, and then all these, it was really a rich task, you know, and kind of followed them where they took it. That That was awesome. Well done. Well done. Yeah. You were the one who said, let's just reflect for a minute that that was a really good lesson on what was the most scary thing for me to move into oh, upper elementary right. school. Yeah. Because I've told my te- my testimony, my story of teaching, whatever. But it's like, no, I can't teach fifth grade because they do stem and leaf plots. And I don't know what those are. And then that's like one of the coolest things you've done all year <laughs> right. already. Well, and the whole like stem and leaf plot lesson that you created however many years ago is a great that's what we did at the end of that you have 10 minutes and i want you to go around and answer these questions you're not allowed to write any letters on the paper don't write your name just put the answer to the question on this little piece of paper and drop it in the basket okay so give how some many examples. letters are in your first middle and last name um how many 3d little block foam cubes can you pick up in one hand 
How long can it take you to put this eight piece puzzle together? Um, how many inches tall are you? Right. The age of an adult in your house and your birthday day and the day of your birthday. Yeah. Of the, like what number of the month you are. Which takes a lot of direction. Yeah, right. I still don't even know how to explain it well. <laughs> yeah. So then they come in the next, they came in the next day and they were given a piece of paper and the little slips of numbers and they had to make a stem and leaf plot. So you make a stem and leaf plot, you put them up on the board and we analyze it and we have such rich discussions about which one of these just looking at the numbers could not be height Mm -hmm. Um, and and the even the kids when they get the bag or a stack of cards don't know which one they're making right yeah and they're that's the first thing they do is try to guess what it is yeah yeah and man there was some really cool discussions in fact in one class we had three plots and there was no way we could figure out which was which. Really? Yeah. One of them was how many cubes can you, how many of the foam cubes can you pick up in your hands? Because okay. nobody picked up more than 30. What day is your birthday on? And how many seconds does it take to put together this six piece puzzle? Everyone did it faster than 30 seconds. But weren't you able to, I would say you could figure out which one was birthday day based on the fact that some kids are going to be born on the first day or the second day or the third day or the fourth day. And I would hope that they could yeah. pick up more than four pieces. So we we did have that conversation and we couldn't figure out why there were people who were doing a puzzle in two seconds or only picking up two blocks. So we had to talk about not following directions or maybe some of the data got lost or you put it in the wrong pile you would think you would be able to have those conversations. In this one particular class, we didn't. But then I had a student, and I it just was so cool. He said, well, I think that this one needs to be birthdays because there's kind of the same amount in the zeros and the ones and the twos, and there's only one in the threes, and there's only two days in the month. Mm-hmm. And it led into this conversation about how God knows when you're going to be born. He knows everything about you. And he did a really good job distributing birthdays <laughs> to everybody in the world. It's like, how many of you know right now someone who has the same birthday as you? Me. But yeah. how many? I know one person that has my birthday. And I've been alive for 45 years. Oh. And I've taught over... 1800 students and i've only ever had you must not have looked very hard one person really yes huh that means you're super special ruth so i just it's it's cool and we got to talk about the distribution of you know what you're right probably in one class you're not going to have this many people in the 20s so you're right let's go ahead and call this one a birthday yeah it was cool i love that lesson that's a fun one to get to teach i wonder I, I wish I knew if I, that came from somewhere, you know, that we edited it. I mean, I've taught it so long, I can't remember where I got it or right. if we really were super smart and made it up. I doubt that. We'll have to look and see if we can yeah, find it. Yeah, but even just learning how to use like a little, the little table that you made. So it's a table that's got your um, seven titles mm-hmm. and you, the kid puts an X because he knows it's not this one and it's not oh. this one. And now that I know G... Plot G goes with height. I'm going to mark plot G off of all oh, the other ones. I gotcha. And you, so process of elimination. You're probably going to have to share that back with me because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to put oh. my hands on the yeah, copy. I got it. Okay. That's funny. I made this and I gave it to you eight years ago. Can you <laughs> share it back with me? <laughs> cool. All right. Well, anybody else have anything we didn't talk about they were supposed to talk about? I don't know, but histograms and line plots are going to be squeezed in because i got a test october 11th so i did make i will share my stem and leaf plot doodle notes because i did those all by myself yeah girl and yeah i'm willing to just put them out there so you can look at the stem leaf plots and it's they're editable so you can take off my cheesy stuff or okay change the there's not a whole lot of doodling make the fonts look cute yeah (laughs) awesome all right. Well, I I like it. I, I 
I feel like not every unit is awesome, but I feel like you've done a bang up job with this one, you know? And like, I don't know. It's just cool to keep implementing new things and trying new things. Well, and here I am in year number 24 and I'm still doing new things. And I think that's what's so important is that you don't just say, well, this is what I did last year. I watched this box and whisker plot video. Mm -hmm. You know, we, I mean, we've done lots of cool things that I didn't repeat. You know, it's just something new with this particular group. Remember the year that we did the race between the principal and the PE teacher Mm -hmm. and they, you know, got their data and stuff. It was cool. Yeah. But I think even if you're using the same assignment, the, the practice of pulling new data. So like, even if you use the, the 10 miler every year mm-hmm. yeah. you could the fact that you're pulling the new current data i think that makes it that gives it some connection to real life as we're pulling this from people that just ran this race two days ago whose quads still hurt oh my goodness. <sighs> yeah right <laughs> so don't ask me to come sit down beside you and help you with that <laughs> i might lean over but i will not sit and then stand back up awesome well well done all right well I'll see you Monday on a run. All right. I'm going on a bike ride today because I'm not going to school. Yeah. Way to have a free day off. Awesome. Have a good bike ride. And I'll see you Monday. Insert cool music. Are you going to push stop? The one day <gasps> I had thought and planned of my takeaway. No, we have to go back. We, we got to go back into it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, wait. We're just going to let this play through. And it'll be obvious that I screwed up. Okay, ready? So, who has a takeaway? I have a takeaway. Yes! What is it, Jay? So, when Ruth was talking about taking um, times from the 10-miler, I've been sitting here partially not listening because I've been trying to figure out how to, how to like, pull the data from the 10-miler, like, logistically, how to pull it, and then how to like transfer it from, cause they're going to have it in minute seconds. They're not going to have it in straight up seconds and like how you could automatically take the data, change it to just seconds. And, you know, I'm in like running it through Tuva labs or something like, like that whole process has been and looking at a race and kind of the distribution yeah. and then looking at from year to year. And so that's, that's just been kind of stuck in my head trying to figure out how that, I feel how, a how to do really that without, cool like, lesson coming next year yeah. from the 10-miler. Without just a ton of of manual manipulation of numbers and stuff like that that I'm not interested in doing. Um, and I'm working with a lady at, at, at work who is – she runs a, a program assessment for her – for the program that she works at at the school I work at. And she does all these – um, surveys with questions on Likert scales and, and she has to take all this data and recently she's had to at the end of the year you know pull it into a spreadsheet and then manually pull out the the mean the median the standard deviation and we're trying to find a better way to do that um, so that she doesn't have to run those program every spreadsheet to come out with that and so I was thinking you know, how could what kind of process could you create to, to pull this data and, and do all that stuff and, and come up with these these cool things with uh, 10 miler time. So. Cool. I'm sure someone out there knows exactly how to do that. Yeah. And yeah. now that we have our takeaways, that's right. They yeah. might just reach out to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. What's your takeaway? I'm sorry. I forgot that, y'all. So I think that was my takeaway. I just didn't call it a takeaway. Yeah. When I said I just have to be willing to keep changing because it's really hard. Sometimes it's just you get in a rut and, you know, teaching is a hard job and it wears you out. As I was sitting at recess with my colleagues, she's like, remember when we would like get up and go play Foursquare with them? (laughs) And now we're just sitting here watching them. (laughs) I have no desire to go play. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I would have so been that teacher who's like, let me play Foursquare. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. not anymore. Well, not this week. Yeah, (laughs) you have a good reason. (laughs) I think my takeaway is I, you know, often sort of write off anything that feels like taking notes. And you convinced me more on the value of 
something like notes when it's requiring them to do some thinking, like when it's them summarizing some things with models for the purpose of solidifying what they know, plus for the purpose of just having something that they can look back on or that their parents can help them look back on. I, you know, you convinced me that that's valuable. So. And I think also that's, it's a, it's a, an after the fact kind of a note taking where it's a yeah. demonstration of what they know and not yeah. just trying to keep up with what you're saying. I like that. Awesome. All right. So now I really will see you Monday on a run. All right. Insert cool music. Mm-hmm.